It's November 16th, 1996, and Swallowed by Barsh is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Chart. Nice. <laughs> Which I cannot get out of my head when I see the word bush. Great. That's wonderful. <laughs> it I, is. I don't even remember it. Barsh. Uh, <laughs> hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Trev. I'm Al. I'm Quillen, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Swallowed, the first single from Bush's second album, Razorblade Suitcase. Swallowed spent seven weeks at the top <laughs> of the Modern Rock chart. Getting Shakespearean on Here's us. Here is thy clip. <laughs> Warm song Feed me up Loaded up Loathing For a change And I slip Some Boil away Well, that was a cool song. <laughs> yeah, that clip was <laughs> was bumping. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Bush twice already. Twice thus far, Shooter. We're we're here again. How do we feel this time about this particular song by Bush? Swallowed. Bush is getting better. <clears throat> I think they're getting better. I think that this is a a nicely performed and uh beautifully recorded song uh, i still don't think that gavin rossdale is particularly interesting on it but uh i have hmm. mildly positive feelings about swallowed by bush yeah generally speaking i guess i was going to hold off on how i felt about how bush is doing but <laughs> they're good now you guys they made it <laughs> They've they've definitely improved. Oh, they're so much better. They've definitely so, improved. So so much better. Everything about it, uh, musically, lyrically, uh, the videos, like it's just like he figured it out. It just took a little bit longer, you know. And that's probably because he heard grunge for the first time in 1992 <laughs> and took a little while to catch up. And so you know, four years later, you know, he kind of settled into his own thing there. Um, mm -hmm. as far as the song goes, it's fine. It's a fine song. It's not great. It's not bad. Wow. Okay. It's just sort of there. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I, I think that this is definitely better than any single from 16 stone. Um, I don't think it's the best single from Razorblade suitcase, but I do think it is a great, um, introduction to the album. Uh -huh. Um, 
Yes. I really like um the kind of drony blaring lead guitar line during the choruses. Yeah, that's the highlight. Um it's got Joey Santiago vibes. Yeah, good, 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 good call. I was thinking yeah. like I I couldn't quite place it, but it was definitely like um 80s or 90s indie rock referencing for sure. Um I don't remember. I I guess I I would love to revisit and I wish I'd thought to do this because I'm sure we could find it on YouTube or something, but the actual like radio edit um I don't remember the um the like second verse being like nothing, you know, like being just guitar kind of in and out with no drums. Was that, do you recall, was that part of? Um, I, th- I think it was. Okay. I, that seems. By the way, you're, you're already making, me. you're already making me like this song a little more than nice. before we started the podcast. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's a cool move. It it is. It, it's fascinating. I, I it really surprised me. I, I do not remember that. Um so that's one of the things that um helped me do appreciate this song more. I don't know how vivid my memories are of this song. I think I have more vivid memories with the some of the other singles. Um do either of you like when you were kids, how did you feel about this song? Any any positive uh memories or or experiences with it from back then my main memory of this song is watching them perform it on the howard stern show on the Mm e-network and watching howard stern do this weird (laughs) slow gyrating thing with a bunch of like women and uh like a levon and barry 240 dollars with worth of pudding thing from the state where they're like, he's like swiveling his hips in this really sexy way. And it just really like <sighs> stuck with me in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I loved this when I was a kid. I th- That chord progression on the chorus would have really hit me hard when I was a kid. That uh, mm. it's the one going to the three, the three's a major chord going up to the four. If the four just went minor instead of what Bush does, it would be Creep by Radiohead. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a, a sound that I liked a lot when I was a kid. I think I, I, maybe I just tend to look at it now and just think it's sort of facile songwriting, but, um, that lead guitar, you know, being kind of the focus of the chorus does a lot. And the solo, the guitar solo is, is pretty Mm -hmm. cool too. Mm -hmm. I think the lead guitar has always been, I was even saying with 16 stone, I was saying that the lead guitar was really the highlight. But um, I was remembering that detail and like you specifically, I can't remember which song it was that we were talking about, but yeah, you, on, on you, Calm Down, you referenced was... Joey Santiago on, on yeah. that too. Yeah. 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 Isn't and it kind this of, a, is... I was going to say, isn't it kind of an insane move where it just stops and does that one note really fast picking thing that bends slowly where it's like, and builds up into the solo. Yeah. Like, what a weird choice to do that. I feel like there there are 
a couple of times that they do that uh, on this album. They do that once here, and they do it on Greedy Fly. There's like a little picking thing uh, in between. There it is. Yeah. More on that later. I have I have have shit to say about that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, weird, weird lead guitar choice and weird structural thing. We're we're getting ahead of ourselves, but you know, everything on this record is from the Albini playbook. And again, Albini would deny that he has a playbook. He he swears that he just records the bands that come in and they just sound like themselves. But there are certain hallmarks. And I hear a lot of pod by the breeders on this album, particularly the low, the slow tempos, the drums that are just kind of plodding along loudly with lots of empty space. Uh, the dynamics from, you know, PJ Harvey and from the Pixies. I hear so much of that Pixies lead guitar. Um, and these are all influences that, you know, I'm I'm fond of. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, I think that things are going good for the band. I think that this is a, this is a cool song. Yeah. So Swallowed premiered only six months after the release of um, Machine Head. Um, which was the final single from 16 Stone. Um, Swallowed peaked at number 27 on the pop chart, um, and it spent seven weeks at number one on the modern rock chart, the longest that uh, any song by Bush um, would hold number one on the modern rock chart. Is that deserved? Do do you think uh, that's deserved? What what are your thoughts on the performance of, of this song? We're dancing around it, but I think we're probably all in agreement that there is another single from this album that is amazing. Uh, I don't know if everybody feels as strongly about it as that, but I feel I don't that think way about this... two singles from this album. Oh, yeah, me too. Wow. I don't I'm, know if I would say amazing, but I feel I'll be like really very good. surprised to hear what other single you think is worth even considering other than this one and the next one but uh anyway uh i think it's a you know it's a it's a good it's a good fit for them it's curious i think that in a couple years chemicals between us is going to be at number one for a long time but if i remember correctly i think it keeps getting interrupted Mm -hmm. it kind of switches spots with other songs for a while like chili peppers songs Mm -hmm. and some other oh, I, 99 yeah we uh, we'll get there we'll get yeah. there when we get there Yeah, we don't need to worry about that right now we don't yeah. need to punish ourselves quite yet yeah like i said i think one of my my number one things here is um i still don't think that gavin rosdale is particularly interesting but this this song sounds stellar mm-hmm yeah. It is interesting that this was like it, it, there was just this uninterrupted string of singles for so long. Like six months is not a long time between singles. Yeah, and to go I mean, from five singles, five like serious singles from uh, sixteen stone. Was it five? Give or take one. I, um, yeah, and then I jump right. I think it was this. at least five. Yeah, it, it's like wow. That's I, I mean, it, the, it may have been like a, a, a an issue of like oversaturation at that point. Yeah, I don't un- quite understand the timing, but yeah, I it, I mean, there are albums that uh, the second single won't come out until six months later than, you know, after the first single. Like, uh-huh. it's crazy that there was only that much time from the previous album, which came out in 
94, right? Sixteen Stone came out in 94. Yeah. Um, well, and it, it this... broke late, like it broke in 95, yeah. but I think it was released in 94 and yeah, just crazy. Well, you know, Razorblade Suitcase debuted at number one um, in terms of album sales. And, you know, that's usually it doesn't really have anything to do with Razorblade Suitcase. It's really a referendum on 16. Yeah, Stone. totally. You know, I, that's kind of the way that it works. It's funny because I kind of feel like, too, that. It was similar with the science of things, weirdly. And I don't think that actually is the case. But, like, I feel like I remember thinking, like, well, Razorblade Suitcase, like, just came out. And hmm. we're getting a new thing. Or, you know what? No, it was um the, and I, I know we'll talk a, a little bit more about it later, but it was because of the, the fucking remix album. That's why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Deconstructed. Right? Is that what it was Correct. called? Correct. Yeah. We don't need to... We'll, we'll get there. I think that was the same situation with Alanis. I think that Jagged Little Pill lasted so long, you tied us over a little bit with the City of Angels City, single, yeah. Yeah. and it used to go right into Thank You, and you are you never have a lapse yeah. in airplay. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Smart, I guess, right? I mean... Yeah, I think so. It's a, a a strong guarantee. I don't remember if we looked at the sales for supposed former infatuation junkie, but I wouldn't be surprised if that album debuted at number one too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you want to say about the song? Uh, about just the song? I guess we didn't really talk about what it was about. I mean, it certainly sounds oh, like uh, we totally cer- totally skipped over that. That's fine. Uh, it's a Bush song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it mostly sounds like. I think this is sort of a breakup album. I think that a lot of the songs are about a breakup. Um, Some of them about Courtney Love, right? I guess. There's Insect Kin is apparently about Courtney Love. I don't think I knew that they were a thing at any point. That's, wow. That's curious. Keep going. Yeah, well. Keep going now. Cobain wannabe. Uh, Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, um, Gavin Rosdale said that this song was about uh, being overwhelmed by success after many years of failure, which I guess makes sense. I don't really hear it in the lyrics other than the concept of being swallowed, Hmm. kind of being overwhelmed. But um, many years. He's like 25. (laughs) (laughs) Touché. I was going to make the joke that the song is about living in a wheel where everyone steals, but I don't think that's fair because they've they've improved. They're like, Mm -hmm. they're good now. And not even good relative to Bush or relative to 16 Stone. Like, this is a good album. Yeah. I don't don't know. know. We'll we'll get Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. I would say it's a very good half of an album. Mm. Um, But yeah, we'll get there. Uh, How about the music video? Did anybody watch it? Full Boring. disclosure, I, f- I totally ran out of time and did not watch it. I put uh, it on this afternoon and picked up my phone about 30 seconds in. <laughs> Al, any thoughts? I was hoping I'd go under the radar. <laughs> I have. I, <laughs> we can just move on. I, 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 I don't remember it. I've watched it somewhat recently. He's not in like a straight jacket or something like that in this video, no. is he? Isn't that okay. the cover of the science of things? Or am I 
He's Cover wearing of the science of things is like looks like an astronaut with some birds or something. Mm. I, that was always my interpretation. I don't know. Okay. He's wearing a fantastic shirt in the video. Cool. What is it? It's a shirt. What? Yeah, what is the shirt? Oh, I I can't describe it. It won't do it justice. <laughs> it's fantastic. Is fantastic it a fantastic shirt? Is it a is it a zero shirt, Travis? <laughs> yeah. It's a shirt that says, I don't want to talk about Weezer. <laughs> is it a tuxedo shirt? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, um, all right. Well, let's let's go ahead and move on to talking about the album, Razorblade Suitcase. I, I think we pretty much covered essentially what we think. Travis, you say it is a good album. It's good, y'all. I say it is a good like half album for me. I think that it is top heavy for sure. The second half of the album is like all ballads, like all like extreme ballads, like barely any drums, very soft, interesting move, I guess, but nothing really sticks out to me. You might be more accurate than I am. I might have checked out for the latter half, just being like satisfied with what I'd heard to that point. And yeah, been, like kind of coasting on it. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, the, none of it is. I don't think that even these ballads, like I don't think any of it is bad actually. But um, I do think that it gets really boring. But like the first half, like through Cold Contagious, it's awesome. I feel. Um, I want to say the album was. Recorded by Steve Albini, as as Alec mentioned, um, not at uh, Albini's home studio in Chicago, um, Electrical Audio. It was recorded at Abbey Road in London, and I I read some some interesting quotes, um, both from Gavin Rosdale and from Steve Albini. First, a quote from Gavin Rosdale. Albini has been more important to me in terms of records I've listened to than any other person. Um, And that was a quote from Spin Magazine. And Albini said, and I I think this was from the same um, Spin article, Albini essentially declared that he put more time and energy into Razorblade Suitcase than he had with any previous album. Do you buy that? Do you, do you, what? Well, what do you think of, of these these statements? Is is Rosdale an Albini head? And do you think Albini really spent a lot of time fretting over this album and, and working on it? I do believe that Rosdale's taste is a lot more interesting than the music that he makes. I have read interviews where he's talked about Pixies extensively and Jesus Lizard and stuff like that. So I I believe that, um, and I also, I'm willing to believe Albini's statement that he put more time and energy into this than other things. You know, I don't think he plays the prestige game. I think, you know, it seems like he's such a craftsman that I, I guess I don't really believe that he would put more work into something that had more... Um, I don't necessarily believe that he would put more work into something because it had more integrity or because it was something that he was particularly passionate about. I mean, it seems like his approach is is pretty constant among all of the projects that he works on. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if I buy it, but I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't distrust it. 
I think I believe that uh, Gavin Rossdale was in love with the idea of getting an album produced by Steve Albini mm-hmm. um, because he started listening to grunge in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to, I was going to ask, do you think it is it was, out of like respect or um, like uh, adoration for Steve Albini's work? Or do you think it is because Nirvana recorded in utero with Steve Albini? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's almost like a, like a study guide for him, where he's like, what do I need to do to make it sound like, you know, these albums that were super successful, mm-hmm. c- critically successful grunge mm-hmm. albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. especially like with probably some of the negative feedback he was getting about 16 Stone. And as far as what Albini said about putting more time and energy into Razorblade Suitcase, I think I don't really believe that as much. Mm. I think that he probably just said that because he was getting paid more for it than anything else. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably the right thing to say. Yeah. And I don't think he would distinguish much between Bush and the Breeders or Pixies because I think he kind of looked at the Breeders and Pixies the way that we kind of looked at 16 Stone and said, like, oh, this is just a pop band, you know? Yeah, I, I he think He didn't that's seem true. to have much, like, respect for their artistic, mm-hmm. like, accomplishments. Um, he was, uh, you know, a lot more abrasive with the big black stuff. and um, He had more respect for In Utero than... Shellac and everything. Yeah, yeah. Any of the Pixies or Breeder stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, Trev. I think um, my understanding of... Um, the way Albini works is that um, we I think the three of us know that he essentially is he considers himself more of an engineer right than a producer yes. like he sets up the mics and gets the drums the roomy drum sound and then just records everything bare bones um, I do think that he tends to mix quietly right like I think his his records tend to be quiet um, or, or lower volume for whatever reason, but but big and roomy. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, contrary to what radio, big radio producers are doing right now, he would never, yeah. ever compress something yes. so that the yes. quiet parts of the song are as loud as yes. the loud parts of the song. Yep. There's going to be a big volume differential. The drums between... are never going to be overly loud. The vocals are never going to be right up front. Um, yeah. So yeah, he just does bare bones stuff. I do think that he, I think what it's it's a band by band case for him. Like I think smaller indie bands that he records, he does things economically, um, but still high quality. His usual quality, I think he likes to you know be an affordable option, and with bands like Bush, and I think. Nirvana too with In Utero I think he milked um the major label money you know don't blame him um mm-hmm. it wasn't the band that was paying for it it was the label and I think that there that is the only way possible that Steve Albini quote unquote spent more time than on any other record with Razorblade Suitcase I think he was like well I'm going to um, take as much money as I can from this major label because fuck this major label. Um, <laughs> I don't think he gave two shits about Bush or Razorblade Suitcase. And I think that 
if you listen closely, I think you can tell like the drums just do not have the same oomph as like the drums on In Utero or the drums hmm. on a shellac record or um yeah, like they're just it's like he just did the bare minimum is what it sounds like to me. It sounds great. It sounds totally great. But I think he kind of half-assed it and just <laughs> took his time to 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 milk the record label for for money just to screw them over as much as he can, which, you know, respect to the guy for that. I wonder if he compromised because In Utero was like, his mix of In Utero was not accepted by mm-hmm. the, the label. Mm-hmm. And so he knew that like he couldn't just kind of like fall back on his his old like Pixies tricks and stuff like that. So he knew he had to kind of compromise a little bit. And it still very much sounds like an Albini record. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the drums sound fantastic mm-hmm, still. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I maybe reined it back in a little bit. So there aren't the more like dramatic sort of like decisions that he had made on some of the more like indie minded um, albums from before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a kind way to look at it. I think we've all already said this, and I think I know your answers, but is Razorblade Suitcase better than 16 Stone? Infinitely. I think it's better. Uh, the sounds are great. I, um, I'm i really surprised with your hesitation here, Al. I still don't think that the songs are very good. <laughs> I don't... I don't think that there's sure. more than two or three good songs on this album. Um, they're boring. They're just a slog. I mean, I think that like a, a good example is like, you know, the song that was remixed into a big hit, but like the song Mouth, it's just like pointlessly yeah. dreary and slow and like nothing is happening. And I mean, the big problem is like Gavin Rosdell continues to just be a Mm. nothing he has to say is none of his lyrics are interesting he very rarely has a good melody um and in this song this album it feels like he is maybe even purposefully not putting hooks in the song in order to prove his cred which i don't know i i mean it's better than 16 stone it's better um you wouldn't necessarily say it's good i think it's it's barely good Mm. that's my take Mm fair trev you've you've stated your claim but uh anything to add on on your stance no sir okay i i definitely think it's better than razorblade or <laughs> 16 stone <laughs> <laughs> i think razorblade suitcase is better than 16 stone i think razorblade suitcase is probably better than the science of things too but i i guess we'll see another thing i wanted to talk about with this album uh gavin rosdale uh apparently wrote most of the songs in within a month and a hefty portion while on the road. Do you think this record sounds rushed? Al, do you think maybe that might be part of the problem for you? or, or? Could be. They sort of feel like songs that somebody 
I don't, maybe this is just me saying I think a lot of the songs are bad, but it seems like if somebody sat longer with some of these songs, they would choose to scrap them and replace them with something better. Mm-hmm. I thought it sounded like they benefited from not sitting on them too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. I think they were maybe too precious on 16 stone and really like overworked them mm-hmm. because they had an infinite amount of time. They didn't, they weren't coming off of anything. It was mm-hmm. just like spend all these times making them exactly what you want them to be. And it is like, they spent too much time on it. Um, and then the idea of just like kind of casually, like coming up with some songs that sound like grunge songs and then like releasing them, like it worked. I think it worked to their benefit. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I I do think that the album is rushed, and I do think that that is part of the problem. I do think that that's um, kind of what led to these kind of like strange decisions, um, like having the basically the entire second half of the album all ballads. And I do think that some of the songs, like the weird kind of guitar transition you mentioned, I think, Al, did you mention the guitar transition in Swallowed or was that you, Trav? That was you. Trav. And and we were talking about the one in Greedy Fly, too. Uh, I, I think they're kind of decisions that were made that with more time would have would have been omitted. You know, they would have not happened. I kind of wonder if that's part of the charm for me um, on, on some of these, at least some of the heavier rock songs. Um, also some of the songs just are, uh, let's see, what's an example. Not, uh, not a song on Razorblade Suitcase, but are either of you familiar with the song old? That was a kind of a B side from this album. No, um, no. it was on an X games soundtrack, uh, an extra games like compilation CD. I, I'm pretty sure it, uh, Superman by Goldfinger was also on the same X Games on uh, compilation, but pick it up. Old is like basically a two and a half minute long song. A whole other thing to talk about with with Razorblade Suitcase, but uh, a two and a half minute long like pop punk song almost, and it just is like not interesting at all. Nothing to it. In and out, super quick, and um, I think that that carries over to a lot of the songs on the album, except they're five and six minute long songs. Yeah. I don't know. I do think it's rushed, but I do think um, it's maybe more so that just there's a lack of um, editing. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the shortest song is like three and a half minutes. And then the next shortest song is like four minutes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then there's like half of the songs are at least five minutes. It's yeah. It's what they need to tighten this thing up. It's I think eleven songs in over an hour. It, it definitely is around an hour. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, uh, should we talk about some of the other singles from the album? Yeah, let's do it. Um. the The next single after Swallowed was Greedy Fly. Um, that song peaked at number three on the modern rock chart. Um, it uh, reached number five on the mainstream rock chart and number 41 on the pop chart. Uh, what, what do we think about Greedy Fly? Near masterpiece. One of the great 90s alt-rock 
singles. Um, everything's there. Everything that you would want Bush to have is there. Uh, the verse is catchy and it's got uh, at least interesting lyrics. Um, I mean, the you know, just the bass and drums sound great and it's got a monster chorus. It's really the only Bush song that I can think of that really has a monster chorus. Um, there are some really interesting moments where, you know, things drop out. You had mentioned the guitar doing the but there's also the bass going mm-hmm. and the bass tone the bass tone yeah. is just fantastic it's just great to listen to Um, there's, uh, uh, going into the chorus, you know, there's the part that's like, and then the guitar starts going, and then it goes into a really cool solo. I mean, it sounds like Billy Corgan's playing guitar or something like that. Um, atonal, uh, guitar sounds, uh, yeah, it's it's one of the great Albini recordings, and it's definitely the best thing the Bush has ever done. Yeah, I agree. It's um, very cool. It's an excellent song. <laughs> um, it's a weird kind of like jerky transition from this eerily beautiful verse to this monster major key chorus mm-hmm. that's really heavy and cool like they're both cool and it sounds like they almost don't go together but they do Mm -hmm. in an interesting way yeah but i really 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 like greedy fly i think it's it's excellent yeah i'm so into it um the verses i think are are my favorite section of the song uh it sounds like like a like horror film kind of Mm -hmm. like creepy uh moment um but but yeah beautiful clean channel guitar good groove um my my favorite part is that like weird guitar break that i love it it's such a cool move and it's one of those moments that i really wish happened like when you hear it you think it's going to happen again later in the song and it never happens again and uh I'm a sucker for that. I'm a sucker for the one cool thing happening once. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's a good song. I I would probably give it a, I don't know if I would give it a five, but I it would definitely, I think it would be a Hall of Famer is, is what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I would give it a five. The next single apparently is a song called Bone Driven. Bone, <laughs> bone, <laughs> Bone drivel is <laughs> how how I read it when uh, I was listening to it on Spotify the other day. <laughs> bone bone dragon. Terrific. Another Bush ballad where the string arrangement is the highlight. Uh, otherwise, this song is boring. Yeah, agreed. Boring. Nice strings. 
the strings bump. are like totally different this time. It's not like the strings at the end of Glycerine, which no. are like these nice, pretty ones. No. They're like very like in your face, unproduced, like natural sounding strings that are almost kind of grating. Very tense, really right? Neat. Yeah, really yeah. neat. Like out of like again, out of like a horror movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Bone Dravel. <laughs> Not a good song altogether. Great, great song title though. <laughs> Bone driven. Uh, <laughs> it did not peak. Uh, it did not chart in the U.S. Um, it peaked at number forty-nine on the U.K. singles chart. We um, forgot to talk about the seven-minute greedy fly video, which is absolutely absurd. I didn't know that we had to talk about it. I just got to yeah, throw I, it I've out never... there. So it's on YouTube. It is seven minutes, and it costs five hundred thousand dollars or something ridiculous and it was done on the set where they did seven yeah and it's like they're trying to like do like seven and silence of the lambs and all this stuff and it's it's like not fun and bleak and pretentious but it was included on like an enhanced cd single and they were one of the first bands to kind of jump on this concept Mm -hmm. of like adding a long form video to like an enhanced cd um so I guess there's something to it. It's I, I don't know if it's worth watching. There's some weird dated CGI stuff happening there where it's trying to be like a horror film and it's uh huh. I don't know. It's not it's not directed by David Fincher, is it's it? It's not. Okay. It's someone else that I yeah. didn't recognize. I'll I'll take a look. David sure. Fincher. <laughs> <laughs> David Bone Drivel. <laughs> Bone Daddy O himself. Uh, all right. Uh, the one, two, three, fourth single released from Razorblade Suitcase is a song called "Cold Contagious." Um, it peaked at number twenty-three on the modern rock chart, uh, number eighteen on the mainstream rock chart. Uh, this song always killed me. I love "Cold Contagious," and I thought that I was not going to like it this time around, but fooled me. I think it's great. I feel exactly the same way. Cold mm. Contagious rocks. Yeah. I would dare You're say gonna... it rips ass. <laughs> Cold You're... Contagious rocks. It is You're going to have to explain this to me on an intellectual level. How is this oh. song and not just the most boring shit you've ever heard? Time out. Travis, is it your favorite song on the album or favorite yes. single? Yeah, yeah, me too. Me is. too. What? Yeah. <laughs> what happens? What happens in this song? I'm angry. I'm <laughs> angry at you. <laughs> Cold oh contagious. Right. Okay. So yeah. Cold contagious. Where they say cold contagious? I have noticed that part. Yeah, it's it's just this kind of sp- it's very sparse in the verses. And then it has a really cool chorus. That's heavy and melodic and not too in your face and not too soft. It's and it kind of right kind of mellow vibe. To it, it switches to major key, right? For like, um, so th- like before, the, <laughs> before the chorus comes in. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think of how to describe the part that I'm, I'm speaking I mean, of. is, am do, I correct do, in remembering? Do, 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 do,
There's a major am key I part. Correct? That's cool. Am I correct in remembering that the song is mostly two chords? Yeah, I think so. Like basically, if I'm, for some reason, I'm choosing to imagine C minor to G sharp major. Does that sound about right? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say E minor to E minor to C, but yeah, that's the same yeah. thing. I don't know why I wanted it in C minor. I, I don't hear a melody in that chorus. Really? No. Oh, and that it ends on the major chord, which is like a weird kind of resolution that is very satisfying. Huh. Listen to and it and tell me you don't hear the bridge. major key part that I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I think that song kind of epitomizes what's wrong with the album. I Yeah, it, it was always like... I think when... At the time, I think when Swallowed came out, I did not care for it as a kid. Greedy Fly came out, and I liked it more. and liked it quite a bit. Bone Drivel, I don't even <laughs> think I knew of. And then Cold Contagious, Cold Contagious came out, and I don't know if it was on a film soundtrack as well or something like Cold Contagious was like all over Aiden NX. And it just, that song just hit me. That song hmm. clicked into place for me. And uh, I, I really, Al, I, I really couldn't like in all seriousness, I couldn't tell you why. I, like yeah. objectively, of course, Greedy Fly is probably the best single, but mm-hmm. Cold contagious like slaps for me. It just No, but there's uh, there's this like brooding quality that like we knocked Gavin for on sixteen stone, but he like aces here. This is exactly what he was always trying to do. And he did it. And I would dare say there's a hint of like Midwest indie rock emo mm-hmm. kind of thing happening mm, with definitely. the chords. And I think that probably appeals a lot to Quillen and, and me. Um hmm. it, yeah, Trav, good good call. I I couldn't think of that, but that that's exactly it. I like Al- Albini style rock at this tempo um of Cold Contagious, but I just feel like listen to Glorious by the Breeders. And you'll be charmed by Kim Deal while getting the same vibe. Yeah. Glorious is is much more complex and is better, but um, I don't even know that I could compare the two. I I, I feel like there's a, a bit of a different vibe here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess I can shove it up your ass. That's all <laughs> very very reluctantly shove it up my ass. <laughs> all right. Uh. So there was one more kind of single. Um, Al, you were talking about the miserable song Mouth earlier, which sucks. Um, but uh, it was released, uh, a remixed version of it, on a wonderful thing that Bush somehow decided or got roped into doing, um, releasing a remix album of songs from 16 Stone and Ridge Blade Suitcase. I think it came out in 97. Um, yeah, it might be. I think it, it also was featured on the American Werewolf in Paris. Yeah, Ma- the the mouth remix was was featured on that. The album was called uh, what did I say it was called earlier? Deconstructed. Um, Deconstructed. Um, apparently, this mouth uh, version is 
the stingray mix, whatever the <laughs> fuck that means. Yeah, it's actually members of Bush that remixed it, but they called it the stingray oh. mix. Oh, they remixed yeah. it themselves. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that it was a, a decent radio hit. Uh, hit. Yeah, I definitely remember it being on eighty nine X a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, number five. It looks like it peaked at number five. Um, yeah. Do we have anything to say about this song? I, I don't. It seems pretty lame now. I think mm-hmm. back then it was just like, well, it's Bush with a beat. Cool. Like I think that was pretty much the extent of the appeal. Were do, were they the ones like or? Where did the trend start of, not really a trend, but um, the mixing of rock and electronic? Um, like, I'm thinking of the Spawn movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. There was another movie soundtrack that was um, combining indie rock bands with, I think, hip-hop artists? Judge Dredd? No. I don't think so. Um like Sonic Youth were on it and um oh god what was it I, I'm just wondering if this was like a reaction to that kind of thing or oh and there was no trip like I I do was on spawn right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. filter and crystal method correct I said um, Judge Dread it was Judgment Night Judgment Night yeah the Judge Dread sequel. Right. No. <laughs> no. I would have no. I would have seen it. <laughs> no. But man, that's uh, Stallone and, and early Sandra Bullock. That's uh, Judge Dredd's worth watching. Trev, oh. was Sonic mm-hmm. Youth's collaboration with Cypress Hill? Uh for the Judgment Night soundtrack? Yeah. They were on a Simpsons episode together. <laughs> I could be wrong, but that's you're right. That's it. Okay. You're right. Yeah, it also has Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul on a track. Hmm. That makes a little more sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is in the in the Trent Reznor school of remixes. Yeah, it's kind of um, like more industrial, right, than like mm-hmm. dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this song is terrible. Drizzling both, shit. Yeah. Shouldn't both, have done it. Both versions? Uh, the... the, the Remix especially. Drift not let you pollute my heart drain. You have broken in me. Broken me. Oh, you like the re- you like the original version better than the remix. Yeah, but I barely would even say I like that because yeah. it's been tainted so much by the remix. You know, we were having a conversation about this a few months ago when we were talking about like whether or not Mouth was on Razorblade Suitcase or the next album. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was the next album because I'm thinking of the remix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it like clearly yeah, didn't sure. belong on Razorblade Suitcase. Um, I guess I didn't I didn't put it together that there was this other weird poorly uh decided phase that they they went through with. And unfortunately um, it influenced their future moves. 
right? Yeah. Because Science of Things, I think, is a little Well, I, I wonder if I'm going to like that one the best. I remember feeling when I was a teenager, I think I probably bought that album the first couple weeks that it was out. I think it was a pretty highly anticipated release for me. I, I wonder if that... I, I remember thinking like, oh, Bush has kind of figured itself out. Um, so I'll be curious to see when we get to it. So I wanted to add also, there's still a British band. And so they're hanging out, you know, the Prodigy's just coming up. And mm-hmm. Bowie had put out Outside in 95, I think. And that was like kind of dipping, dipping the toe into the industrial kind of uh, pool. Mm-hmm. So does that have know, that? I'm afraid of Americans song. No, that was Earthling in '97. So I think it, there is a precedent for this. It just um, it it wasn't it didn't work for Bush, and it didn't yeah. work for most artists. I'll just briefly say, American Werewolf in Paris is a sequel to one of my favorite movies, American Werewolf in London, one of the truly great creature features of uh, all time also very funny and and strangely moving uh movie american werewolf in paris is one of the biggest pieces of shit i have really ever seen i watched it somewhat <laughs> recently it is everything about it is so poorly made it is sort of like more like an idle hands style horror comedy than anything else um really weird editing and just ugly to look at and it just doesn't work at all the soundtrack has uh, a couple songs that i think are worth mentioning it has the the better than ezra song normal town which i uh, had suggested a while ago was maybe the best better than ezra song possibly and it also has a song called human torch by fastball and of course fastball has not broken through yet so this is from their um Power Pop first album and the song Human Torch it rips pretty good it's pretty good it does we it's super fast full of hooks it goes through piece by piece it goes through hook by hook it gets to the um and it's a pop punk song but it gets to like a minute and a half before it even repeats anything um and then it only goes back and repeats like a little bit it's just introduces one poppy thing after another uh tony scalzo 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 We'll get more acquainted with him when we cover the way, but um, Skaltsultran, he's the the bassist, songwriter, and lead singer. He at his best, um, his voice can sound a lot like Elvis Costello, and uh, this song is just a great uh, pop punk uh, power pop gem. I highly recommend you check it out. Man, I listened to Elvis Costello's Armed Forces the other day for the first time in a while fucking slaps i've never gotten into it i like the singles but i've never uh 
I've never gotten into the rest. It's my favorite Costello okay. album. Okay, rapid fire. Non-single album tracks. Anything. Go. Nope. I think that the <laughs> I think that the third best song on the album, maybe the second best song of the album. Actually, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. It's the second best song of the album after Creedy Fly is the song Tendency to Start Fires. Oh yeah. Um, it takes a little while to get started, but there's a, a chorus that's maybe like two minutes into the song. Yeah. And when it comes, it's really good. That song that that is a pretty solid song. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I, I remember uh that being a gem for me too. I was wondering if we could take a moment uh to share with the listeners our personal Holloways. <laughs> that's the song, right? That's the that's the one. Whatever that may be. What is that- it? what is that? Personal Holloway. Now, personal I, is, Roy Halliday's is <laughs> what I wish it was called. Is the name Holloway? Is that a name I'm supposed to recognize? I, 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 I almost I thought that it was maybe like a sports thing I didn't yeah. know or something. I don't. Know. That's what it seems like it would be. I would just sing the title uh, to Personal Jesus to my head in my head. Mm. Well, I was wondering if it maybe at some point was personal hideaway, and he thought that that was too obvious, so he changed it. Holloway know. sounds like it would be an emo band name. Yeah, it does. Um, that that so, is uh, that's the one song non-single that is great to me. I think that yeah, it's good. Uh, that song reps. Yeah, great, great opener, great way to open the album. Trav, you defender of this album, mo- most defensive of this album. Nothing, nothing more to say. Uh, yeah, nothing really. Like, I no, yeah, no. The singles, uh, that we talked about, the two singles are fantastic that we mentioned, and then the ones that aren't are fine to good, and uh, album tracks are right about there as well. Nothing that really jumps out, but mm-hmm. absolutely nothing like embarrassing mm-hmm. or like cringy. Yeah, I I agree that there is actually nothing. I don't think there was a single song that I thought was terrible. Where I, uh, whereas on 16 Stone, there were many that were bad. ready to talk about the other charts all right ah cool so uh we've got some movement on the mainstream rock chart um during the seven week span uh that um swallowed uh, is number one on the uh modern rock chart um some some bowel movement (laughs) hero hero of the day is uh bowel movement that's what I was referring okay. to. <laughs> Hold on. We're, gotcha. we, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so we're still starting off with me wise magic. M- wise magic. It's still funny. Uh, Same wise Ganji. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Can't go better than that. Uh, Same wise finally gives way to a song by the metallic brothers <laughs> <laughs> hero of the day i don't know 
bad, bad, right? Pretty bad. Oh no, yeah. No, just kidding. I actually th- <laughs> <laughs> there was actually what? an element of the song that I liked. It kind of it was an emo song. What is it? Is it when it like builds up and it goes? Dun, 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 no, no, it was all all the soft stuff at the beginning. Oh, okay. It's like an emo song. It's like emo Metallica. And then Hetfield like growling over top of it. Emo Metallica. No, he's singing pretty nicely. It's weird to hear uh, a major key Metallica song. Yeah. I think that I, I remember this primarily from the S&M special where I think this was lavished in strings to make it even mm. more sweet and saccharine. Uh, you know, I've, I've stated my preference for Metallica. They got to play faster than this if they want my attention. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I had never heard this song before until I listened to it the other day. And I was shocked that I kind of liked it until it got heavy. And then I was like, okay, I'm out. Yeah, it's I a imagine bit it's of a tacky transition between like the mm-hmm. slow part and the very mm-hmm. heavy part. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's most country fans' favorite Metallica song. <laughs> sure. I, I would say that this is not a good song by any means, but I will say it's not as bad as I expected. Um, anyways, uh, so from there we go to Blow Up the Outside World by Soundgarden, which we have talked about previously. Yeah, it's um, good. I feel like that's a good comparison to Cold Contagious. I feel like those songs oh, are pretty similar. Oh, interesting. I never thought of that. I, I should. Oh, same appeal so, to me. So many good melodies in Blow Up the Outside World. I um is it surprising that this was a number one on mainstream rock radio? I don't know. It's got a lot of classic rock vibes, which is par for the course for Soundgarden, but mm-hmm. it never reaches number one on modern rock. Mm-hmm. N- they never do, at least in our time frame that we're working on. Yeah, it's crazy. Um. On the pop charts, uh, we still have No Diggity by Blackstreet, which we both all um, expressed love for. Um, that uh, gives way to Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. I have a feeling that Travis loves this song. No, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and okay. uh, it's it's sort of like it it's a, a, a different style for Tony Braxton that I, I, I really gotcha. enjoy. I I couldn't get into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little too heavily in like Celine Dion uh, yes. territory for me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But like bad Celine Dion territory. <laughs> to be clear. Celine sure. Celine Dion. <laughs> Celine Dion territory for sure. <laughs> All right. Any other highlights from the uh Metarac chart that we uh could talk about? I've got a couple. Yeah, I see a few worth worth mentioning. Uh, we've got Mach 5 by the Presidents, which is cool. It's kind of, you know, it's a, not particularly memorable, but it's good. I was ho- uh, I, I was not remembering it and revisiting it. I, it was not as good as I was hoping it to be because uh-huh. of how good Volcano is. Yeah. Um, But I will say the drumming on Mach 5 is stupendous. Very, Great. very good. Very good. Glad to hear it. Um, I had to remind myself what the deal was with Kula Shaker, the song mm. Tatva by Kula Shaker is on the charts. Um, if you're wondering what Tatva is all about, these are uh, four British white dudes 
who are obsessed with Indian culture and write a lot of their lyrics in Sanskrit. So they're sort of a mix of um, Indian influences and sort of like real flower power psychedelia, uh, 60s British psychedelia, um, real mod sounds. And uh, some of it's kind of cool. This is not actually their biggest hit, but um, it was interesting to remember. I sort of vaguely rang a bell when I listened back to Tatva. super annoyed by this as a kid and then checking it out in the last year or two and kind of liking it. Um, yeah. The, the mod good. elements are kind of cool to hear in the yeah. 90s. Yeah, yeah. The verse is uh, good and the chorus is good. So I, I guess it's good. <laughs> um, yeah. I think this is Haley Mills's son. Hmm. Uh, who is the singer there? Uh, she was in the parent trap and good morning, miss bliss the uh, series before Saved by the Bell. Oh, interesting. Uh, Love Roller Coaster by the Red Hot Chili Peppers is on the charts, which I mentioned largely just because it was ubiquitous. It's mm. not not good. No. Features no, the um, immortal couplet, move over dad because I'm a double dipper, upside down on the zip, zip, zipper. <laughs> Is there a is there a one two buckle my shoe in there too? A uh, one two one two three. Oh, I've got a ticket, so ride with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a, an Ohio Players cover um, that they have gussied up in their own RH, RHCP way. And correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they did so for the Beavis and Butthead mm-hmm. Do America soundtrack. Oh yeah. Love go slow. Love go fast. Licorice twist. Gonna whip your ass. Stop it. <laughs> that you made that one up. Nope, I'm reading it. <laughs> um finally, uh a real staple of nineties alternative rock, Naked Eye by Luscious Jackson yeah. is yeah, on the chart. Yeah. And that's cool. Yes, yeah, it's a, definitely. a co- cool reminder of what it was like to live in nineteen ninety six. Better than I remember it. It's great. Yeah, I always liked it. Yep. And it feels alright. And it feels alright. 
Um, the only other things um, I wanted to mention, uh, well, you know, of course we talked about it a little bit with the down episode, but All Mixed Up is now in the charts at number 21 by 311. Um, still the best song on that album. Better than down. Um, I had never listened to Fish before in my life. The band Fish. P-H-I-S-H. And I saw that Free by Fish, uh, a band, was on the charts now at number 33. And I thought I would check it out. And I was pretty surprised to see that it was like a three and a half minute long song. Yeah. And Billy the album, Breeze is like is like a kind of a pop album. It seemed like it because it was like like I think it was like ten or eleven songs in like forty minutes. Like it was yeah. like the songs were all like between three and five minutes. Yeah. Um yeah, it was not nearly as bad as I uh, expected it to be. Um it was kind of okay. Um I should put that on the sticker on the record. <laughs> kind of okay not nearly as bad as i expected it to be raves <laughs> raves on, quillen tell me all your thoughts on pod yeah, yeah. <laughs> podcast um yeah uh but uh th- that's all i have to say about that one um there there was another song um by an artist that i was completely unfamiliar with uh it's all right it's okay by leah Anderone. At number 40. Um, it was really bad. It was not good. Mm. Um, uh, but I, I've, I've, I've decided I will listen to any, any song on the charts that I've never heard before. And uh, so far we're 0 for 2. <laughs> um, anyth- anything from you, Trev? No, I had missed Free, and I'm glad you brought it up. Mm. Uh, do you do you, you do you like it? Do you like I do. Free? I like that album. Uh, that album is the one I can like kind of consistently go to if I want to listen to Fish. Um, do you want to listen to Fish? Yeah. And do you have a need to consistently? Yeah. Go? No, it's it's that thing of like trying to get into the Grateful Dead, and it's like so hard to find that entry point or the thing that clicks with them. Um, with Fish, there's like like a song on every album that I like and sometimes it's three minutes and sometimes it's 17, (laughs) but it's still like, there's enough intriguing qualities about fish that kind of draw me in every few months where I'm like, all right, time to give it a new shot. Time to like take a different approach here. Hmm. And um, I admire that. I I think they're very like appealing. Um, I just can't quite make it, totally click um maybe one day question for you do you are there 17 minute long songs by fish that you like uh 10 10 i think um i have a a follow-up question but okay go ahead but you do not like goodbye sky harbor by jimmy world which is (laughs) 16 minutes long (laughs) <laughs> did i ever say that yeah i did you did yeah i don't know about that i feel like you've expressed that it is too long and boring 
It's, uh, it's fine. It's just fine. I'm thinking of the song Reba from Lawn Boy by Fish, which is 12 minutes. <laughs> the um, song is called Reba and the album is called Lawn Boy? Yeah, that's right. Great. Of course, there's You Enjoy Myself, which is nine minutes and 40 some seconds. <laughs> you um, enjoy, wait, you enjoy myself? Yes. Not that's you enjoy right. me? The no, myself. That doesn't make any Y-E-M. sense. Y-E-M, bro. Anyways, I got like a, a little bit of a, a fish playlist going on Spotify that's mostly like, you know, pop structured songs. Um, okay. With the exception of Reba, which is like kind of one of my favorites when like Reba's, when Reba's going, it's awesome. And then it like stretches into like a 10 minute instrumental and it's like, okay. <laughs> just get get back to the parts you know with the verse some really long songs are are really good like like goodbye sky harbor by jimmy world <laughs> it's fine i don't does it does it need all 16 minutes there or was it good after five i would say or even eight i would say it is at 16 minutes long it is perfect I yeah I I think I think you could probably cut it because I know there are I could some take... layers that happen at the end yeah. where it like builds and and um, uh you know kind of breaks well, down. One the funny thing is for me the best part is the like first two and a half minutes, but um yeah I yeah the I, verse right yeah yeah and the court like just the whole like before yeah. it goes into the like slow core. Right uh, when it jam. goes into that is the best part of the song, but then after it, it's like, okay, I got it. It's you no get, Reba is what I'm saying. Yeah. You get sick of it. I could listen to it on inf- infinitely. Yeah, there are songs like that. I, I get that. <clears throat> okay, well, like Reba by Fish, from Lawn Boy. <laughs> what about Lawn Fish from the album? Boy. Reba Boy. <laughs> by Reba McIntyre. <laughs> love love Reba McIntyre's lawn fish. <laughs> All right. Should we should we rate uh <laughs> Swallowed? Really, really got in the woods there for a second. <laughs> yes, let's rate Swallowed. Al, you go. What do you got? Um, I'll give this three luscious Jacksons. Yeah, it's a three for me, too. I'll give it three Lawn Reba boys. <laughs> Damn. I feel like you guys had more positive things to say about it than a Reba. All right, three, three. 3.5. No, 3.5 no, Luscious uh-uh. Jackson. <laughs> too late. Too late. I'm not budging. It's three. <laughs> too late. Well, I give it four Cold Contagions. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, Swallowed by Bush a uh, Nirvana wannabe? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is it a Nirvana wannabe or a melodic Albini wannabe? Yeah, I mean. It's a Nirvana wannabe, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Cool. All right. Should I take us out? Sure. Okay. This is my first time. Yeah, I know. I, we trust you. I wish you well on your journey. <sighs> Tell me. <laughs> God damn it. 
Fitz, tell me all your thoughts on Pod. It's part of the Offshelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group. Tell me all your thoughts on Tell me all your thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving uh, your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. That's T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S-O-N-P-O-D at gmail.com. That's T as in train, H as in... All right, I'm kidding. Listen along with the playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. Next week, ellipses. We have reached the end of 1996. Uh, Today was November 16th. Um, and as we said, uh, Swallowed by Bush is on the charts for seven weeks. So that takes us to the end of the year. That means our next episode will be um, our New Year's Eve special, our annual slash every four months um, <laughs> uh, New Year's Eve special. We're going to um, have some fun, talk about uh, some awesome albums from 1996, and uh, get a little silly. And then we will pick things back up um, at some point to be determined. We'll probably have a little bit of a hiatus um, and, uh, you know, reorganize and and recover. Um, And we will kick things off with uh, the first song for for 1997, um, a song from 1999 called Crush by Jimmy Eat World. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) We'll be talking about um, a song from 2001 called Crush that uh, the Dismemberment Plan covered on a uh, split EP. Uh, How about the 1998 Dave Matthews Band single Crush? Oh, you mean crash into me? You mean you mean crush into me? <laughs> <laughs> didn't they have a didn't they have a crush? They did. Crush yeah. is great. Uh, okay. No, it's but the first we'll, song on uh, before is it the nineteen ninety four song "Crush with Eyeliner" by REM? Uh, mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or is it uh, number one "Crush" by Garbage? <laughs> or is it "Test for Echo" by the band Crush? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, test for Kecko by the band Crush. <laughs> it's the garbage one. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>